Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. We've been doing a three-week tour of the NFC West. We started with the Arizona Cardinals, went to the San Francisco 49ers, and now we get this week to the Los Angeles Rams. And joining us, who is on the pre- and post-game show on the Rams, uh, Kirk Morrison, who is also on Sirius XM Radio, also does ESPN College. He's a very busy person. And so, Kirk, great to be with you. Always great to be with uh, the professor, Mr. John Clayton himself, man. I, I love to share the airways with you, my man. How are you? Good. How are you? Now, of course, I mean, we get the news on Tuesday, which is bad news, that Cam Akers blows out an Achilles tendon. And even though he only led the team in rushing by one yard, I think that's a major blow because when you look at some of the breakout players from year one to year two, I considered him as talented he is as a running back to be one of those breakout players. And I think that really is going to hurt the offense. Yeah, it's going to hurt the offense because you mentioned that he was the breakout player that they were expecting in 2021 as a rookie. But he came out, he actually started the first game of the season to the surprise of a lot of people uh, within the organization and outside the organization. And all of a sudden he played well. And second game of the year, he hurts, um, you know, a, a rib injury and he was out for a little bit. So when you look at his yardage last year, he actually missed some time, missed some games. He really didn't get going and toward that second half of the season where he really showed that he could be an every-down back, can be the bell cow. And he became that part that the team needed. And they actually started to ride him, ride that Cam Akers way toward, the, I think, the final few games of the regular season and into the playoffs that they really felt like a full year with a full training camp and off-season program for Cam Akers, this would be a big breakout year for him and this offense. And now, you know, the Rams now have to start, you know, look at the, go back to the drawing board at that position in terms of the running backs and where do they go from here with losing Cam Akers for the year. Yeah, how, how talented they without Akers for the season at running back? Yeah, I mean, it's, he, first of all, he's a very talented player. He can play. Um, he's an outstanding runner. He's got the home run ability, and they can do some things out of the backfield with him as well. He's got great vision, and he was a guy who can make the, and break that big play. But now with no Cam Akers, you're going to have a running back by committee. The Rams will not go out and sign a guy right now. So they won't go out and sign a veteran free agent or somebody like that. They're going to see what they have currently on the roster, and I believe they have a pretty good set of backs. The only problem is they're just all young. It's some young guys. Gerald Henderson is on year three. Uh, Xavier Jones is a college is a college free agent from a year ago. He's only really in his first year playing. Playing, you know, last year spent a lot of time on the uh, practice squad. Raymond Calais was actually a draftee of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Rams got last year in a trade over. Um, so they they they've got some young players in that running back room. And so right now they're going to go running back by committee. And then if they need to make a change at some point during training camp, then you can go out and grab a veteran free agent. But I think for right now, they just want to see what they have 
in that offensive backfield. Yeah, that's what, I know Seattle, even though they weren't looking for a running back last year, liked Cam Akers a lot, and I think there was some consideration to drafting him, but obviously, you know, they're sitting there with Chris Carson and, you know, Rashad Penny, and they weren't going to do it, but it's like uh, they, they did give some consideration to that because I think they liked Akers as one of the best backs in the 2020 draft. Right. No, I think he, he showed early on that he's one of the better backs. And there was a stretch of games where you just said, wow, that kid is special. I mean, here he gets drafted in the second round. I thought the Rams got a first-round caliber of running back in that 2020 draft. They just got him in the second round. So he, he brings up a lot when you see him play. He's explosive. Um, you see him hit the hole. I thought just his elusiveness. Um, he never really took big hits. He's a guy that you know made sure that he stayed away from contact. Not like he was shy of contact. He just found a way to get away from the contact, which I think preserves a running back's career. So it, it's truly unfortunate, John, to see such a young player only going in his second year, 21 years of age, and will be out due to an Achilles tear. I, I'm more worried about his longevity after this because he'll be going in the year three next year. And then he's coming off of an, uh, an Achilles injury. How does that affect him going forward for a guy who is explosive as he is? From what you see to Matthew Stafford, how much better will the passing offense be with Stafford, a quarterback, as opposed to Jared Goff? I believe that what we see, we'll see from Matthew is just the anticipation part. Matthew's seen a lot of defenses. He knows where the pressure's coming from. He knows the tilts. He knows the stunts. He's not going to be fooled uh, a lot. And I'm saying Jared Goff was fooled, but it's it's one thing to go to a line of scrimmage and have some things in the back of your pocket that if it doesn't work out for you, that you can go to some of those um, things that you got left in the back pocket. But Jared Goff sometimes ran the best, ran the play, but didn't really have other options to get out. Well, I think Stafford's going to have a tremendous amount of options because he's just been around longer. He's seen it longer. So he's going to get through his progressions probably a little bit more quicker and get the ball out, maybe even play with a little more anticipation. So I think that's where uh, you know the offense can go with Matthew Stafford. I'm excited because so far all I've heard is rave reviews just about how quickly the ball gets out of his hands. And I think in this offense – that's what you want to see, a guy who gets the ball out of his hands quickly, and if something breaks down, you still have a plan in place, and that's what Stafford has shown so far in just a quick offseason. I know one of the things that uh, with the Stafford trade, uh, you know, it was $22.2 million, Jared Goff and dead money, and obviously $20 million right. for Matthew Stafford. But the one concern, because I know most people around the league has been you know voting when they take the NFC West and saying Rams number one, maybe the 49ers number two, and Seattle number three, which I think is a little bit off because I still think you know right. Seattle is pretty close to being number one, but being real close with the Rams. But the one concern that I had after the trade was the cap ramifications because I mean you saw it they had 11 free agents in unrestricted free right. agency they were the only one they were able to sign was Leonard Floyd they ended up having to lose four starters on defense they're starting center and uh, now they lose acres and it's like they haven't other than Deshaun Jackson they haven't really been able to add much and so don't you think there's going to be a, a, not a big drop off but a little drop off in this team losing four defensive players a starting center and now a running back? 
you know, the one thing about it is that they've drafted these guys, though. Yeah. So they've built these guys through the draft. And I think sometimes people forget about that, that they've drafted well with players. It is what steals the shine is the trades and the, the to bring in other players. But I, I look at them, you know, drafting in the third round the John Johnson or getting Troy Hill as an undrafted free agent or a second rounder in – um, you know, Gerald Everett. So, to me, I think that at the end of the day, they've drafted well in a lot of areas, especially along the offensive line, quietly enough to where they're able to kind of sustain a blow here or an injury there or a guy going up in the free agency because the nucleus is still there. It's one thing to have players to build around, but when you have an Aaron Donald up, at, up front, the defensive player of the year currently, and then you have a Jalen Ramsey on the back end, sometimes it's just about plugging players in place to play around them. And offensively, they brought in the guy who they think can conduct the orchestra uh, in an offense that already had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and a Tyler Higby. They just think that they got something a little bit more of an upgrade at that spot. And I think that's what kind of circumvents the, the salary cap ramifications. Plus, the Rams, are they're all in right now. They, they don't. They don't worry about tomorrow. They don't worry about five years from now. I think in the NFL, it's about what are you doing right now. Because if you worry about the future or, oh man, they don't have draft picks in this, they're worried about winning right now. And I think that's what makes this team always seem like they have an opportunity to go out and win a championship. Well, that's a testament, I guess, to, to Les Snead because uh, you know uh, the fact that I mean, what they're in a seven-year stretch where they don't have a first-round pick, and now yeah. they uh, you know they've been getting guys either uh, uh, undrafted players or mid-round picks and picks like that. It's remarkable to see that you know they built that up to a point where they ended up having you know the number one defense in the league and still being a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, they they they, they built it up. And it'll be different this year with no Brandon Staley, their defensive coordinator, who was here last year, now is over with the Chargers as their new head coach. So defensively, the scheme will probably be a little bit different, but it's still guys playing in unison. And you mentioned that Leonard Floyd will team up with Aaron Donald and hopefully be a nice little force between those two to get after the passer. Uh, defensively, they've taken a lot of strides. And look, there'll be some new guys in place, the linebacking core, which was probably one that was not very good last year, but they were they were adequate. They played well enough to not be uh, to be, to, when you're on the number one defense, you got to do something, and they were able to make some plays as well. But a lot of it, again, it goes off of Aaron Donald. It falls off of the Jalen Ramsey, and the guys around them just do their part. But I had mentioned before, I forgot another guy like Morgan Fox was on their defensive line last year. Like who's Morgan Fox? Well, he's another undrafted guy that just worked his way up and became a really legitimate performer for the Rams, and now he's off for free agency as well. And that's just how good that they've been in drafting guys. Yeah, no question about it. And of course, <clears throat> you you played linebacker for a, a good yeah. period in your career. But have you ever seen a defense like this that, in many ways, you know, has you know three? Stars, three major playmakers like Jalen Ramsey, who's I consider the best cornerback in the league. Aaron Donald, maybe the best defensive player in the league, and then of course, right. you know, uh, Leonard Floyd is a good pass rusher. Have, can you remember a team like that that had three guys in that kind of vein? Wow, no, I think that's it's pretty difficult, man. I mean, I've seen some teams that just have 
guys who are good, but we're talking about these guys have superstar talent. You know what I mean? Where sometimes I've seen teams that don't necessarily have the superstar talent, but they have four guys who can play well all together, right? And mm-hmm. so you can feel that energy. You can feel how uh, how good they are because, you know, they're all working in unison. They're all in one line. I think that's um, something to where you can see. Uh, or a lot of times when you get those groups of players too, John, I remember a lot of them are all past their prime, and so it's a little bit easier to get them all together. But I, I don't think so in this case. I mean, when, when I think of, you know, honestly, uh, the guys like that you mentioned at each level, I mean, each level of that defense, um, you know, it's very hard to get that. But I think maybe Tampa Bay right now that I'm looking at, they've got, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul at the, you know, up front. And then they go Devin White, who I think is one of the best linebackers in the NFL, and Antoine Winfield Jr., one of the young secondary players who can definitely be one of the better players in all of the NFL. So I think that's how it works. Yeah, no, no question about it. And uh, but again, Don, Donald's just remarkable, and he's still. I mean, not only just in his prime, but he seems to be even getting better. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you always say, "What can you do for an encore?" And yet you come out and see the encore, you say, "Wow, that that guy's pretty good." So yeah, it's it's. You know, we we know what's in front of him every single week, um, double, triple, it doesn't matter. It, it just it's more about his teammates and how they're able to handle the success, or whether it's the uh, the way that teams try to block him. It's always going to be different, but yet guys figure it out. And when you have just that kind of a force that teams have to worry about, it does free up a lot more for the other guys. How's uh, Sean McVay been this offseason? <laughs> well, I say he's probably had better days than getting the news about <laughs> Cam Akers, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. People getting ready for training camp, and, you know, he's been excited about acquiring, you know, Matthew Stafford. He has had glowing remarks. He's had, um, you know, just, just basically just has been really giddy, like a new kid on Christmas, or like a kid with a new toy on Christmas. Right? He's just been so excited about Matthew Stafford and this and that. And so I know that for him, you get knocked down into reality of the NFL, that you can have everything going the right way, all going in your direction, and then you know, just the NFL smacks you right in the face sometimes and says, boom, hey, uh, yeah, you're going to be without your running back due to um, an injury to his Achilles. And you're like, what? No way. It can't be. But truly. That's what happened. So Sean McVay is in a mood of right now still keeping the uh, the door closed and letting it all settle in. But I think now, you know, once he gets past this initial shock of the you know Cam Akers injury, uh, he'll be Sean McVay of old, just getting back and getting on top of this guy, saying, "Hey, it doesn't derail us from our." championship aspirations we can still do it come next year yeah i think everybody kind of agrees that the nfc west is the best division in football how do you see this division shaking out oh man it's gonna be like a kyle shanahan said it best it's an arms race it really is i mean it it is so difficult The, the, the only difficult thing that i say is that someone has to come in fourth place john think about that like someone has to come in fourth place and because I can see all of them, you know, going to the playoffs, going to having, uh, you know, lengthy runs in the playoffs, even going to a conference championship. But all that is definitely something that, you know, I feel that ultimately, 
you know, it's hard to put the Rams at number two. I want to keep them at one, and not a bias here, but I just think that with Seattle, they beat Seattle um, in Seattle with a quarterback that is that started the game that I don't think is anywhere close to Matthew Stafford. A lot of that has to do with it. So I think I want to put you know uh, them there first in the Rams, and then right below the Rams, um, I, I gotta put Seattle because they were there in San Francisco. And then Arizona, or it could be one, two, and then Arizona and San Francisco both go three A and three B. I can definitely see that going on. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, really, when you look at it, I mean, you got four potential playoff teams, and of course, the one thing right. that's going to hold some things back is the fact that I mean, you have six division games, and I can't. I think it's going to be a struggle just for one team to have a four and two record. I mean, we've seen this in some of the better years in the NFC East, where you've had teams that are three three in that division, but it's like uh, you know, nobody's going to go five and one in this division. No, 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 no five and one's not going. to not going to get it. Um, it's just too tough a division. Yeah. Now, if you do, okay, yeah. That's, that's, you know, more power to you. But I think just the way that this, these teams have really competed with each other off the field just goes to show you that this is one of the better divisions, divisions in all of the NFL. Kirk Morrison, you can hear him on the pre- and post-game show on the Rams Broadcasting Network. You can hear him on Sirius. You can listen. You can watch him on TV on ESPN College. So, it's Kirk, I want to thank you so much, as always, for joining us here on Schooled with the Professor. Oh, man, you know, at any time, John, I appreciate it always, man. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at ClaytonESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.